From executive producer Isaac Saul, this is Tangle. Good afternoon and good evening and welcome to the Tangle Podcast, the place where we get views from across the political spectrum, some independent thinking without all that hysterical nonsense you find everywhere else. I'm your host, Isaac Saul, and on today's episode, we are going to be talking about the House of Representatives committees. I know that might sound kind of boring, but it's actually pretty important and there is a lot of stuff going on in that space right now. We're going to talk about some of the controversy share some opinions from the left and the right, as always. Before we jump in, though, I want to give a quick heads up that Tangle is now hiring for a part-time social media intern. If you are a college student or recent college graduate interested in a future in media, marketing, social media, or journalism, this could be a good fit for you. The primary roles are to help turn newsletter content and podcast content into social media-ready posts. If you're interested or you know someone who is, please check out the job listing. There will be a link to it in today's episode description. And make sure you send your applications to Magdalena, that's M-A-G-D-A-L-E-N-A, at readtangle.com. All right, with that out of the way, we'll jump in today with some quick hits. First up, the White House said on Monday that it plans to allow emergency declarations tied to COVID-19 to expire on May 11th. Number two, 59 people were killed and more than 150 were injured in a suicide bombing at a mosque in Pakistan. A commander for the Pakistani Taliban claimed responsibility for the attack on Twitter. Number three, Israel arrested 42 people after a deadly shooting at a synagogue late Friday night. Seven people were killed and three more were injured in the shooting, and two people were also injured in a separate attack on Saturday, where a 13-year-old boy was the alleged gunman. Number four, three emergency responders were fired and two more Memphis police officers were suspended for their roles in the death of Tyree Nichols. Number five, Senator Tim Scott, the Republican from South Carolina, is headed to Iowa to speak at the Polk County Republican Party's Lincoln Dinner, fueling speculation of a potential 2024 presidential run. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy officially denied seats on the House Intelligence Committee to Democratic Representatives Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff, of course, both from California. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy making good on his threat, booting Democrats uh, Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell off the House Intelligence Committee. The speaker tweeting he rejected their appointments because he is, quote, committed to returning the committee to one genuine, one of genuine honesty. I received a letter from very clear. This is not anything political. This is not similar to what the Democrats did. Those members will have other committees, but the Intel Committee is different. The Intel Committee's responsibility is the national security to America. Last week, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, the Republican from California, formally removed Representatives Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell, both Democrats from California, from the Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, commonly known as the House Intelligence Committee. McCarthy announced the move after House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, the Democrat from New York, penned a letter pressing him to allow Schiff, the top Democrat on the panel, to keep his seat. 
McCarthy has pledged to move Representative Ilhan Omar, the Democrat from Minnesota, from her seat on House Foreign Affairs. Meanwhile, McCarthy placed Representatives Marjorie Taylor Greene, the Republican from Georgia, and Paul Gosar, the Republican from Arizona, on the Committee on Oversight and Accountability, often called the House Oversight Committee, which is one of the most powerful committees in Congress. The Oversight Committee has far-reaching subpoena power and has been at the center of several nationally televised investigations and impeachment hearings in recent years. A quick reminder that the House has standing committees, which are permanent, select committees, which are created by resolution, usually to conduct investigations, and joint committees composed of House and Senate members ad hoc, usually to conduct studies. Typically, select committees are temporary, but the House Intelligence Committee is the exception. The House Speaker can unilaterally decide who serves on select committees, which is what allowed McCarthy to make the decision on Schiff and Swalwell without input from Congress. Removing a member from a standing committee, however, requires a majority vote on the House floor, meaning McCarthy could only lose four votes if he were to try to remove Representative Omar. In February of 2021, then-House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, the Democrat from California, took the unusual step of stripping Green of her committee assignments. In a full House vote, 11 Republicans joined Democrats. Pelosi justified stripping Green of her seat for liking social media posts that threatened violence against Democratic members and for sharing on social media that she believed some school shootings may have been staged. Then, in November of 2021, Gosar was censured and stripped of his committee assignments after posting an edited anime video that depicted him killing Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the Democrat from New York. Just two Republicans, Liz Cheney from Wyoming and Adam Kinzinger from Illinois, joined Democrats on that vote. Green apologized for her social media activity and Gosar took the video down, but McCarthy pledged in November of 2021 that both would be reinstated if Republicans retook the House. Now, McCarthy says he is blocking Schiff and Swalwell from the House Intelligence Committee not out of political vengeance, but national security concerns. He explained Schiff's removal by citing his misleading comments to the public during the Trump impeachment and blocked Swalwell because of his purported association with a Chinese spy. He also said he intends to remove Omar because of her past anti-Semitic comments. Today, we're going to take a look at some commentary on these moves from the right and left, and then my take. First up, we'll start with what the right is saying. Many on the right support removing Schiff, Swalwell, and Omar, even if they are critical of Green. Some say McCarthy is restoring integrity to the House Intelligence Committee and that Swalwell and Schiff's lies were disqualifying. Others argue that this is what happens when Democrats don't police their own. The Wall Street Journal editorial board said Schiff earned his ouster from the Intelligence Committee by openly lying to Americans. The most well-documented example was in early 2018 in response to then-Intelligence Chairman Devin Nunez's effort to inform the public about the FBI's abuse of the FISA warrant process as part of its Trump-Russia collusion probe, the board said. Mr. Nunez released a memo summarizing the committee's findings that the FBI had obtained surveillance warrants from the secret FISA court against former Trump staffer Carter Page during the 2016 campaign that the Steele dossier financed by the Clinton campaign formed an essential part of the surveillance applications, and that the FBI failed to tell the FISA court that the dossier author, Christopher Steele, had political and media ties. 
Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz confirmed all of this two years later in his report on the FBI's probe, the board said. But in early 2018, Mr. Schiff fought release of the Nunez memo, and he released a memo of his own that he claimed was a more accurate summary of the evidence. Though he had access to the same documents, the Schiff memo trashed the Nunez document and he deceived the public. His summary claimed that the FBI and DOJ officials did not abuse the FISA process, omit material information, or subvert this vital tool to spy on the Trump campaign. That was false. Yet nearly all of the media seized on the Schiff document to declare the Nunez memo a joke and kept the collusion deceit going for another year. In The Federalist, Tristan Justice said Kevin McCarthy restored integrity to the House Intelligence Committee. Schiff's four-year tenure as chair has been marked by remarkable abuse and grotesque politicization, with Schiff spearheading House Democrats' impeachment efforts through the Russia hoax and allegations of Ukraine-related corruption. California Democrat Representative Eric Swalwell was also kicked from the committee after federal law enforcement found the congressman was likely compromised by a Chinese spy, Justice wrote. Schiff earned his favor with Pelosi as a star con man who was eager to leak stories about scandalous Russia collusion to allied media, which were thrilled to run claims that weren't true. Meanwhile, the California congressman never hesitated to brag about having evidence that would land Trump in jail, which has been the number one priority on the Democrats' policy agenda since 2016. As House Republican minority leader last year, McCarthy had been clear he would kick a trio of Democratic lawmakers from committees if he were eventually elected speaker. The move would follow the Democratic majority taking the unprecedented step of dictating Republican appointments in the last Congress, Justice added. Georgia GOP Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene was stripped of her assignments within a month of her swearing in, and Pelosi barred Republican appointments to the Select Committee on January 6. Pelosi's refusal to greenlight McCarthy's picks for the panel marked the first time in House history that minority appointments were barred. McCarthy made clear no Democrat lawmakers would be denied proper seats on the committees to represent their constituents, but added that none of the three lawmakers whom he reassigned would serve in roles related to national security. In the Washington Post, Mark Thiessen expressed support for removing Omar, Swalwell, and Schiff. Omar is an anti-Semite who has no business serving on a committee that helps set U.S. policy toward Israel. And Schiff and Swalwell are conspiracy theorists who abused their positions on the Intelligence Committee to falsely claim they had secret evidence that President Donald Trump conspired with Russia to steal the 2016 election, which was a lie, Thiessen said. Neither deserves access to our nation's secrets. Omar's record of virulent anti-Semitic remarks is disqualifying. In March 2019, she declared politicians who support Israel push for allegiance to a foreign country. Then, in June 2021, Omar compared the U.S. and Israel to Hamas and the Taliban. Omar has said U.S. support for Israel is all about the Benjamins, insinuating that Jews buy American influence. While giving Omar a pass, Pelosi made a show of stripping Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, the Republican from Georgia, a disgraceful conspiracy theorist, of her committee assignments. Now, McCarthy is using that precedent to do what Pelosi should have done years ago and strip Omar of her committee assignments, Thiessen said. He is also right to remove Schiff and Swalwell, who misled Americans into believing they had secret evidence Trump conspired with Russia when no such evidence existed. When Representative Steve King, the Republican from Iowa, wondered publicly in 2019 why terms such as white nationalists and white supremacists had suddenly become offensive, Republicans stripped him of his committee assignments, but Democrats did not police their own ranks in the same way. Now Republicans will do it for them.
All right, that is it for what the right is saying, which brings us to what the left is saying. Many on the left are critical of McCarthy's committee moves and say he may regret the way he handled Schiff. Some argue that removing Green and Gosar was justified, but this is just political vengeance. Others ask about McCarthy and other Republicans who have also lied to the public. In MSNBC, Hayes Brown warned of the House Oversight Committee being packed to the brim with diehard MAGA members. It's a veritable rogues gallery of camera-ready firebrands, all eager for a chance to be front and center during the looming high-profile clashes with the Biden administration. In a Congress that is, by any measure, poised to be a three-ring circus, the clowns of the Oversight Committee are ready to compete for the spotlight, Brown wrote. In theory, the committee is an important gig that speaks to the balance of powers in our system. Most of the other House committees operate as mini-fiefdoms, focused on smaller swatches of the executive branch. The Oversight Committee's remit, though, is the entirety of the federal government, and the committee acts as the primary investigative arm of the House. That means the committee can take an overarching view, connect the dots, and follow lines of inquiry that other committees seeking out corruption and waste cannot. And given the explosive and controversial nature of some of its investigations, committee members are prime for prime time, with many of them more than willing to spend their evenings telling Fox News viewers about the scandal du jour, he said. Among the 17 Republicans who will be perched on the Oversight Committee alongside Comer are Arizona's Paul Gosar and Pennsylvania's Scott Perry, two of the most fervent advocates for former President Donald Trump's 2020 election conspiracy lies. There's also newly minted frenemies, Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia and Lauren Boebert of Colorado, two far-right darlings and media hounds. The Washington Post editorial board said McCarthy may regret kicking Schiff off the House Intelligence Committee. This is payback for votes two years ago by the Democratic-led House to remove Representatives Marjorie Taylor Greene, the Republican from Georgia, and Paul Gosar, the Republican from Arizona, from their committees. The editorial board didn't endorse that effort at the time because we feared this sort of tit-for-tat cycle. But there are significant differences, starting with the fact that some Republicans joined Democrats in voting to strip Ms. Green and Mr. Gosar of their assignments, the board said. Moreover, both of the Republicans had at least implicitly encouraged political violence. Mr. Gosar posted an animated video depicting the murder of Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Ms. Green claimed on social media that deadly school shootings were staged and favorited posts calling for the execution of Democratic leaders and federal agents. Last month, Ms. Green boasted that she and former Trump aide Stephen K. Bannon would have succeeded if they had organized the storming of the Capitol on January 6, 2021. We would have won, she said, not to mention we would have been armed. She subsequently called this sarcasm. We suspect the real reason Republicans are going after Mr. Schiff is that he has been so effective, the board added. If Senator Dianne Feinstein, the Democrat from California, retires, as many expect in 2024, Mr. Schiff appears likely to run for Senate. It is possible that Mr. McCarthy's pettiness could redound to the political benefit of his fellow Californian. He might have laid the groundwork for Mr. Schiff to succeed Ms. Feinstein not only as a senator, but also in a leading role on the Senate Intelligence Committee. In Mother Jones, Abigail Weinberg asked, what about Kevin McCarthy's lies? Both Schiff and Swalwell have made the sort of spin and exaggeration common among politicians, but it's clear that Kevin McCarthy is cherry-picking moments of dishonesty to remove the most outspoken Democratic politicians from one of Congress's most important committees, Weinberg said. Never mind that habitual liar, Representative George Santos, the Republican from New York, was deemed fit to serve on the Committee on Small Business and the Committee on Science, Space, and Technology. Or that McCarthy himself is serving as Speaker despite his blatant lie that he had never called on Trump to resign. 
As we've reported in April, McCarthy called a New York Times report about his castigation of Trump following the January 6, 2021 insurrection totally false and wrong. But then, in an extraordinary twist, the reporters went on The Rachel Maddow Show and played an honest-to-God recording of McCarthy detailing a plan to pressure Trump to resign from office, she said. The comments took place during a January 10th meeting with Republican lawmakers in response to a question from Representative Liz Cheney. In the recording, McCarthy says that he planned to call Trump and recommend that he leave office voluntarily, using the threat of impeachment as leverage. I will not be like Democrats and play politics with these assignments, McCarthy told reporters yesterday, but it's hard to think of any other way to describe what he's doing. All right, that is it for what the right and the left are saying, which brings us to my take. There was something inevitable about every step in this whole saga. In the first chapter, it was inevitable that when Republicans empowered people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar with committee seats, they would eventually squander that opportunity with inexcusable actions. For Greene, it was elevating social media posts that called for the execution of her colleagues. For Gosar, it was sharing a dumb animated video that showed him beheading one of his colleagues. Next was the inevitability of what Pelosi did. Of course, the moment she pushed to remove two Republicans from their committees, she set the cycle of retribution into motion. There was no doubt that when Republicans won back the House, they would retaliate. And of course, McCarthy does not have a hard time getting his talking points in order. After all, Swalwell and Schiff are easy targets. It was inevitable. The Swalwell Chinese spy story is often exaggerated by the right, but it's not nothing either. Christine Fang targeted up-and-coming politicians and even got romantically involved with two Midwestern mayors. Her involvement with Swalwell seems to have included participating in fundraising events for his 2014 re-election campaign and placing at least one intern on his staff. The FBI caught onto Fang's activities, alerted him, and he cut ties with her. But there is a reasonable argument that he was made vulnerable or showed bad judgment by getting involved with her in the first place. Fang aside, the same arguments against Schiff could be used on Swalwell too. Schiff promised over and over that he, quote, had plenty of evidence of collusion or conspiracy, end quote, between Trump and Russia. And he told the American public he had unearthed a conspiracy the size and scope of Watergate. He also lied to the public about Russia bot operations on social media, which we now know, thanks to the Twitter files, was not just organic activity, but that Twitter had alerted members of Congress that it was organic activity. Swalwell, meanwhile, responded affirmatively to MSNBC's Chris Matthews three times that President Trump has been an agent of the Russians. Swalwell memorably said, I think all the arrows point in that direction, and I haven't seen a single piece of evidence that he's not. Matthews appeared unsure he was hearing the congressman correctly and tried to clarify a third time. An agent like in the 1940s where you had people who were reds, to use an old term like that, In other words, working for a foreign power, Matthews asked. Swalwell replied, he's working on behalf of the Russians, yes. Just as with Schiff, Swalwell didn't ever present evidence for this claim, nor did Robert Mueller's investigation turn up anything to substantiate that kind of rhetoric. This guy sat on the House Intelligence Committee, and he used his perch to spread absurdities, and now he's getting axed. In an almost comical way, I could pretty easily make the case that Green, Gosar, Schiff, and Swalwell all deserve to get canned, though for different reasons and to different degrees. But instead, we got four years of Schiff at the helm of House Intelligence, a few years of Swalwell as a cable TV star, and now Green and Gosar being elevated to two of the most powerful positions in Congress. 
When our parties play politics with assignments, the biggest loser is the American people. Inevitably, these very important committees will spend more time on partisan hackery than genuinely important bipartisan issues like investigating pandemic fraud. When people express their deep disapproval of our current political moment, this is the kind of spectacle that helps affirm them. All right, that is it for my take, which brings us to your questions answered. This one's from Julie in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Julie said, this might be a silly question, but why are we seeing a bunch of giant companies, Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, Twitter, etc., do huge layoffs all of a sudden and all at the same time? I've been very curious about it. I imagine there's a simple answer I am missing. So Julie, I think there are a few things going on here all at once. For starters, the tech space had been in a massive expansion for a while now, and some kind of contraction was just bound to happen. Companies saw massive revenue growth during the pandemic, projected that growth to continue in a linear fashion, and hired accordingly. As people go back to pre-COVID normalcy, that expansion makes less sense and has prompted worker cuts. It looks as though we are getting that contraction in earnest now. More than 58,000 people have been laid off in tech-based companies in 2023 already, compared to 140,000 in all of 2022. Still, many of these companies are much bigger than they were in 2020. Google's parent Alphabet is laying off 12,000 people, but it hired over 30,000 in 2022. Microsoft is laying off 10,000 people after hiring 40,000 in the last fiscal year. Why they seem to be happening concurrently is a different question. Every company is different. Twitter, for instance, went through mass layoffs after an ownership change. Google laid off a bunch of people tied to its open source and cloud business, which was a surprising twist to many of the people who know more about the space than I do. I'm pretty sure there's also some kind of contagion effect happening. All of these companies compete with each other, fighting over investors and how to get positive press about their record profits. So if one sees a competitor doing some belt tightening, maybe they decide they ought to follow suit. Finally, there is the matter of interest rates. The Fed is still hiking interest rates, which makes borrowing more expensive, which makes investors less willing to subsidize many of the projects that these huge tech companies want to pursue. So a lot of the companies move from ambitious investment that might fail to a stricter focus on finding ways to make money. That's why you see stock prices rise for some of these companies after layoffs. Investors understand that profit is being pursued more earnestly. All right, that is it for our reader question, which brings us to our under the radar section. On Saturday, police body camera footage and security footage was released from the night Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul, was attacked by an intruder. The attack, which had been the subject of widespread speculation, happened largely as police and initial reporting on the event suggested. When police opened the door, the body camera footage showed the suspect, David DePat, was holding a hammer along with Paul Pelosi before ripping it from his grip and hitting him over the head. Separate security footage from the home shows Depatty using the same hammer to break into the house, ending speculation that Depat may have been let in by Pelosi or had a prior relationship to him. NBC News obtained the footage, and there is a link to it in today's episode description. All right, next up is our numbers section. The number of Republicans who have said they are opposed to or undecided on plans to remove Representative Ilhan Omar from her committee seat is three. The number of votes Speaker McCarthy can lose if he attempts to remove Omar is four. The annual salary of Peter Maxwell Kern, the head of Expedia Group, 
was $296.2 million in 2021, making him the highest paid CEO in the S&P 500. Exxon's profit in the fiscal year 2022 was $55.7 billion, its highest ever annual profit. The number of people hospitalized with COVID-19 on January 30th was 32,399, a 23% drop in the daily average from two weeks earlier. In an analysis of 90 government audits into overpayments made to Medicare Advantage health plans, the combined overpayment total from about 18,000 patients was $12 million. All right, that is it for our numbers section, which brings us to last but not least, our have a nice day story. And this is a good one, I think, for pretty much everybody. The outlook for the global economy in recent weeks has unexpectedly brightened, with the International Monetary Fund and Wall Street analysts far more upbeat about what lies ahead. The United States, Europe, and China are all outperforming expectations and, for now, avoiding some of their predicted stumbles. American employers are continuing to hire at a consistent pace, while the Federal Reserve's fastest hikes in 40 years have yet to push the economy into a feared prolonged recession. The outlook is less gloomy than in our October forecast, the chief economist for the International Monetary Fund said. We are not seeing a global recession right now. The IMF has also dropped its prediction that one-third of all economies will drop into a recession by the end of 2023. The Washington Post has that story, and there's a link to it in today's episode description. All right, everybody, that is it for our podcast today. As always, if you want to support our work, please go to retangle.com and subscribe to our newsletter or become a member by getting a membership, subscribing. It's a great way to support us. You can also give this podcast a five-star rating and just, you know, spread the word to your friends. We'll be right back here same time tomorrow. Have a good one. Peace. Our podcast is written by me, Isaac Saul, and edited by Zosha Warpea. Our script is edited by Sean Brady, Ari Weitzman, and Bailey Saul. Shout out to our interns, Audrey Moorhead and Watkins Kelly, and our social media manager, Magdalena Bakova, who created our podcast logo. Music for the podcast was produced by Diet75. For more from Tangle, check out our website at www.retangle.com.